Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Is everybody running their recorders? Uh, yeah, I'm playing the recorder right now. I probably have way too much time already. I'm at 1.52. Yeah, 1.57, so... As long as we're all running, I see Shauna's recording the call, so, um, I think we're good. I think we're redundant enough that it'll be fine. We need to share. As as long as Jen doesn't record anything, we should be alright. Let's officially start before anything breaks again, although I'm sure my wife will be like, oh, what what, what were we doing? I'm sorry. Um, all right. Um, no shout outs. So, okay, here we go. Uh, three, two. Welcome to <laughs> Wow, she called that. She called that. That's fantastic. That's beautiful. Oh, my God. Damn. Could time That's- that better. That is the key to comedy. That's a good joke right I there. <laughs> I would see the comeback. I'm like, you planned that, didn't you? <laughs> Dad, stop torrenting. <laughs> That's like calling your own number in basketball. It's like, take the street and it's going down. Switch. <laughs> oh, that was the most too perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good. Put that okay. on. The- so, Jen, are you here? <laughs> Ugh, I'm that was fantastic. There. That was a yeah. great joke. That was some... that Next week, the kids loved it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try it again, and then um, let's see if the Wi-Fi fails again. Okay, here we go. Three, two. Welcome to Have You Seen This? It's Jen. And Tim. Timmy, and Timmy, we- Timmy, Timmy. Go, Timmy. Go, Timmy. Go, Timmy. I can't say the rest of that guy's name. I can't either. <laughs> Tommy Hill something or other. Oh, I'm, yeah, um, I'm, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so thankfully, we uh, Jen and I share a black friend. Professional, <laughs> professional, black. professional black friend. You don't, you don't want to have too many because, you know, people talk. So um, Tim and I yeah. have our normal professional black friend here uh, to speak to you. About this particular Spike Lee joint, it is Sean Morris. Sean, it's nice to see you again. It's been a while. Hi, everybody. Happy Good. new uh, death. Happy new death. <laughs> it's it's really apropos. We had no idea how apropos that was. Yeah. Oh <laughs> we man. Just thought something funny you say when you bust a cap in a motherfucker's ass in Goldeneye. But twenty-five yeah. <laughs> <laughs> year old joke for four people. And yet. And yet it's very apropos. And yet here we are, yeah. <laughs> and yet it describes everything perfectly. <laughs> now, I didn't uh, I didn't know Bamboozled was from 2000. I thought it was earlier than that. Yeah, you should have known it was 2000 because it's he has the exact same problem as another 2000 movie, Steven Spielberg's AI. <laughs> where the movie's supposed to end and then 40 more minutes happen. Yeah. I thought that, I I thought thought it was that the... the very... I thought that the very 2000 problem with this movie was that it was shot on mini dv 
table. Well, yeah, that was also the problem with AI. With that, because we're looking at it now, looking at this movie, like we remember time time code, which is like I remember time code. Yep. And you're like, wow, no one's ever gonna watch this format of film again. And then I remembered everyone watches this form of film all day long, (laughs) either for work or pleasure. So and you I know mean, what you're talking like everything you're gonna see in the world is gonna be through this fucked up. Yeah, plan. like I I don't think Spike Lee could have done any worse than shooting a movie in 2000s in like the vertical format. I was like, this man made a YouTube video seven minutes before YouTube, seven years before YouTube. <laughs> I was well, like, that's prescient right there. Yeah, I you thought say, the content was prescient. It was the format that was where it's at. It did occur to me while I was watching the Timmy boop ad that um <laughs> it resembled something yeah it resembled a youtube sketch because that's in some ways about the level of satire we got here but it's for about the first two-thirds it it does generally hit the target but then it's very smart yeah it, but then it kind of falls apart but what are we actually talking about today well we hey, got I- sean here to use all the words and slang that we aren't allowed to that's right. exactly right. Yeah, we're uh, like, we have uh, like uh, knocking boots. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. That's... Say knocking boots. <laughs> right, you're we not... do be down. Now, I, yeah, I'm like Spike Lee. No one has said knocking boots since 1992, but of course that's when he was young. So that's like, yeah. He's very cutting edge. <laughs> so, so we are uh, we are watching. Bamboozled is a portmanteau of the producers network and um. Aunt Kizzy's, I'm not saying the name of that. No, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a delightful fable about uh, Damon Wayans playing Pierre Delacroix. But what's his real name? Peerless? Because he has a black name. Peerless, like, he has a Spike Lee real name. Because Spike Lee names his actual, like, real people names. Their names are Flipper and Gator. (laughs) Right. Yeah. uh, Yeah, he switches code. So his name is Peerless, his birth name, and he's decided to change it to Pierre Delacroix. And but uh, he still talks in this very this, studied way, which is more palatable it's to a white completely people. Completely made up voice, as we find out later in the movie when he runs into his father. Mm-hmm. Great use of Paul Mooney. Yeah, yeah. Paul Mooney is great in this. Um, he's the son of Paul Mooney. <laughs> uh, Pierre Delacroix is an executive. Is he an executive or is he like a head writer? He's um, like a showrunner, I think. He's like a showrunner, yeah. 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 He's a show creator. He's um he would be like in the early he, he, for Tyler Perry, Kenya Barris. Ooh, but yeah. honestly, he's more of a frustrated Matthew Weiner, because like, let's be honest about this That's character. Exactly it. That's yeah. exactly. He talks he has like thoroughly adopted whiteness. Yeah. He talks like um Kermit the Frog. Years before Jordan Peterson, Peterson, and uh, all of his intelligent black shows aren't popular because audiences want ignorance, of course. Right, as we are told directly, and like the first by, by everyone's five minutes. favorite white person who thinks he's allowed to say nigga, Michael Rapaport. <laughs> now, when this movie I think came if you out, hang at, when this movie if came you have out, Spike Lee's phone number, I think you're allowed. That's as close I mean, as you're going to get. I mean, I mean, when this movie came out, I didn't realize at the time that Michael Rappaport was basically playing himself. Yeah, he was playing himself. 
as a TV executive? Like, what what would you do if you had control over a lot of programming? Yeah. That's right. Kind yeah. Of podcast, but he and he actually controls that cable. It's got to be a cable network because the show is uncensored. So he's like the the host of a f- cable network, not the host. The like a program. Executive. Yeah. He's the executive. executive. Yeah. Like yeah. All of your, he says, Pierre, you have the most talent. And I'm not saying it because he doesn't talk like this. He talked like this. <laughs> it's the old switcheroo. Yeah. He's like, um, yeah, he did. Yeah. Don't be hating. Me right. and Eminem are going, why are you talking like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's and kind of this I'm, like, I have you know. Black white, so I'm allowed to say nigga. I forgot it was also a, there was a big controversy around that time about, and it didn't really, it kind of went away. And then came back again when Django happened, but he and Tarantino always had a back and forth about the use of uh, characters in his films saying uh, and, uh, the N-word mm. at large in any shape or form. And Yeah, because Tarantino's and, oh, a bit of a Rappaport himself in that respect. He is, but he makes sure Samuel L. Jackson says it the right way. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> allowed. <laughs> you went to Morehouse. No. Um, so he doesn't like his uh, proper shows about like the black headmaster or the uh, like the, the, the Cosby the, show is kind of the crux the, of this. Uh, adopted mm-hmm. by Asians. Only Michael Rappaport doesn't say Asians. He uses uh, he uses the Michael the, Rappaport word. He basically uses the J.K. Rowling name for an Asian character in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uses the word that got Shane Gillis like canned bef- from SNL before he even started. Yeah, we're on not SNL. saying that word, but if you'd like to l- yeah. click on celebrate your differences from Wonder Shows in, you will hear that word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he doesn't we like... We highly his- recommend Wonder Shows in, by the way. It's, on the, ar- it's on the internet archive. <laughs> I had to Good, take because it's, it's an important piece of cultural history. My bamboozled videotape, and I was like, oh, Wonder Shows is still in there. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> to celebrate. Anyway... So he doesn't like his programming, and he decides, okay. Well, he gives, like... He decides, I'm going to get fired. Yes. Because yeah, he wants to make the worst. He's like, oh, you want ignorance? I'm going to give you the most ignorant, backwards thing I can yeah, think Yeah, just something that's completely offensive to any sensible person. Unfortunately, that thing was the number one form of entertainment the last time it was that prevalent and heavily available. And it happens again. Oops! Right. Right. Uh, he, of course, pitched Married with Children. <laughs> oh, man, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> or was it The Simpsons? I mean, yeah. I pro- I'm proposing this show never goes off the air, and we keep the voice actors alive. <laughs> They've said enough phonemes, we can use their voices forever. Yeah, so <laughs> they're making a, a variety show set in a watermelon patch. <laughs> Starring, Which, you know, hasn't been done Mantan, before. Mantan, the tap dancing new millennium Negro and his friend Sleep and Eat, Savion Glover and Tommy Davidson. So you got Damon yeah. Wayans and Tommy Davidson. So, you know, they know how to do comedy and satire from In Living Color and impressions and whatnot. And you're like, this is a really interesting premise. Yes. Savion Glover, like you've never Savion him before. Yes, yeah, it's a far long far cry from Sesame Street. That's <laughs> <laughs> where he started. First, so. Now... Um, that's the basic premise, and before we get into it, um, a little bit of background on this movie. So, this film 
was obviously we I think we said it came out in 2000 as I mentioned shot on uh mini dv tape ex- apart from the minstrel show segments which I believe were shot on uh on 16 which is why they pop so nicely mm-hmm. but um and you know those th- tapes are not around anymore those tapes do not work oh like, yeah they're powder yeah. but um, yeah. can I get but, these transferred to no no but regardless <laughs> um this was, like I said, shot on uh, digital video, which was kind of an up-and-coming format at the time. And I, I know ones. that when um, m- when mainstream movies uh, were uh, shot on video in 2000, everything looked like dog shit on the big screen. The technology was not quite there. Um, and Absolutely. This, looks, this actually looks pretty good on the small screen. But, it does. Um, I think if so we were to Blair see a Witch. print of it, <laughs> it would look like garbage but um, Spike Lee wanted the ability to kind of keep costs down as well as shoot with multiple cameras, like I think up to 15 cameras. It's a lot of cameras. Wild. Yeah. Um, but it is, I will give him credit, it's, it's, very, it's very snappily edited and it, uh, maybe it is the small screen, but it does look a, a little bit better than I remember. It feels more like yeah, the variety show that the the movie was promising it's a variety show format in editing yeah for sure yeah and as long as they stick to like interiors i mean like if you're working Mm -hmm. with like natural sunlight there's not as much latitude in dv so things are like blown out if they aren't working with like low light where everything gets all muddy he had tried it in certain parts of clockers for Mm -hmm. like not dream scene but like certain scenes as like experiment his little artistic flourishes but he Mm -hmm. hadn't filmed an entire movie yeah, and um, like I said, like considering the limitations of the technology at the time, I mean, this was shot with, I think, I th- believe it was Sony's first uh, prosumer video camera, which retailed for about 3500 bucks. It's at like the time. what Robert Blake used in Lost Highway. Oh, there you go. So, um, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure if that's accurate, but it's close. I to thought that. I remember that just being a security camera he was holding sideways. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Air, the other old, thing to, this reads as a security camera. Yep. But the other thing to remember about this movie is that it uh, came out in theaters and it flopped. It made no money. But well, I guess a movie about a minstrel show, and you actually film a minstrel show. I mean, well, I, yeah, I remember it's <laughs> a license time, to print money. <laughs> I remember at the time, um, you know, even in my younger, naive 20 something days watching this at the movie theater I worked at, I was like, OK, well, you know, this is like a satire. Right. And, you know, people yes. get what Spike Lee is about, so they yes. have to get it right. But no, it it flopped. Um, but it is uh, one of uh, it is one of the Criterion Collection now. Um, it's not on the channel, but you can get a DVD of it. I don't know that it's streaming anywhere, but I have it on video cassette. Out. Yeah, I mean that's really the real format. That or mm. real player. I mean, yeah, it's really have the quality yeah. come through. Look for the. I wonder if it, if you put it, if you click on like a YouTube stream of it, it becomes self-aware and destructs. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I thought for a second that we were conducting this podcast recording on Real Player the way it was going. So. Fantastic! Yeah, you Those can watch days. it at. I think I got Windows Media Player or something near somewhere. Yeah, or it's native. <laughs> you know, one forty-four. Yeah, like um, th- there's the part. <laughs> there's the part. Um, there's the big uh, climactic part where they they uh, 
capture Man Ray and they're going to kill him on a live stream. I'm like, oh, you you guys are going to live stream in the year 2000? Good luck with that. No an one's going to see it. No one's going to watch an execution video like, on that, an internet stream. Is that, did he get shot? Is that, oh, it says buffering. Yeah. In 2000, there's no way anyone saw that. Yeah, yeah, no Unless one was. They were in the alternate 2000 where technology had already caught up with them. I mean, you yeah, know, no one would see that until Live Leak was invented. So, right. Yeah, if five we more were... years before that video comes gets seen by anybody. You can down, yeah, you can download the uh, the saved version of the video off of what uh, was it like Hotline or okay. Hotwire? <laughs> no. If you're in the dorms, and he hmm? just decided I'm going to make a movie set in 2008. Yeah, there you go. He never said what year it was. Right. Yeah, and it was the web page that showed the countdown. That was one of those like retro, oh, you know, it was like an angel oh, fire man. page. Yeah. I t- I time traveled hard when I saw that. It was like being at the the computer history museum. It's like watching yeah. the 80s cell phones. Oof. <laughs> yeah. the, the I think they're viewing it in Netscape Navigator, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so um this was not um well, I feel like it did get a little bit of um it got some cr- good critical reviews yeah that's what I'm, yeah exactly some good but, it was not nominated for any awards yeah but a it, lot it, not but, even like home video award no mm. but as is often common with movies that we talk about on this show it uh didn't really find its audience at the time and i don't know I it's the a audience really it's me and my me yeah, yeah. Because I know and you the and one I have other person I introduced it to. Yeah, and I know that Sean and I have evoked this movie many times, but it was interesting to revisit it. And while it is, um, I mean, it's not as flawed as the movie we just did, The Keep, but it is significantly flawed. But I think still worth a look. Um, Tim, I want to hear what you thought about this because I don't know if you'd seen this in full. Before. I don't think I told Tim about this movie. I mean, I was aware of it, but I didn't see it when it came out, mostly no. because, you know, thank you, Sean. Like, I, I pretty much only understood uh, Spike Lee as sort of a, like, kind of a shallow reactionary filmmaker. So <laughs> I was kind of yeah. expecting that from the movie. Going in and watching it, yeah, you don't really get that until, like Sean mentioned earlier, until, like, like the second half of the movie. And... It's not like a light goes off. It's just it kind of is going along and going along. You're like, okay, and then all of a sudden your eyes glaze over. And you find yourself in like a relationship drama and they're squabbling with each other. And then some people pull some guns out and like this. How did we get here? Yeah, you just kind of blink Mm -hmm. and you you missed your exit. (laughs) Yeah, I think they kind of took a run. They just kind of veered. You know, you drift in the road and they kept drifting and drifting and drifting. And next thing you know, you're. They're in the ditch. The tree. Yeah, there's yeah. a tree in front of you. Um, yeah, because I, um, the way that I saw this movie when it came out is I was working at the at the movie theater as a projectionist, and I used to walk the the different screens to you know make sure everything was okay. We were running because we were running everything on a platter system, um, and I saw this movie almost in its entirety in in pieces, and I remember my impression was like. Parts like, oh, this... did I forget a reel? <laughs> and I just remember parts of this were so goddamn funny. And then I would walk in. Yeah, and then I would walk in on Jada Pinkett crying and waving a gun. I was like, what? Huh? How did yeah, this happen? How we get here? 
It's and like you're. It's very sudden in your experience specifically. It's like you're like in a YouTube thing and you're just clicking on random videos and you're like, "Oh look, it's it's a parody <laughs> commercial, Timmy Hilniger. That's hilarious." <laughs> I, I typed and, like and the Paul Mooney stand up. That's awesome. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's like, wait, did you fuck him? Did you like? I don't care. Yeah, I type <laughs> Spike Lee into YouTube, and then it just, I set it to autoplay. Yeah. That's what you it, get. It does have that feel, because I feel as though he had a really, he and his, uh, did, who's the, who's credited as, as writer, did he write this himself? Spike Lee. It's okay. Spike. He has a so, soul credit. So he had a strong premise, but he didn't oh, yeah. know didn't how to end it. Didn't know how to end it. And it's kind of all like the characters look at each other and they kind of look, they don't look, they don't literally do this, but they kind of look at each other and then they kind of like, is someone going to, what do we do next? Mike Lee is like, I don't know. Now you get into a soap opera plot and then you start shooting at each other because big brown star came. Now I kind of had a mini epiphany thinking about it. Mm hmm. But I don't know if it's really that. I don't know if it's as deep as I thought it was. But since you know, it's a minstrel show. He kind of turned the movie into like the modern. Like he said, it was the new millennium Negro. So it was like the new millennium minstrel show, which is, I mean, really the end of the movie is a TV one movie. If we're just if we're gonna <laughs> one hundred, it's a true crime soap opera that yep. you don't really care about, but you keep watching it. For my man. Yeah. That was the other name of the other show I was thinking about. For my man. It's like you started on Comedy Central and then you turned over to TV One for some reason. It it really is. And you're like, wow, this in Living Color episode is brilliant. And then they, <laughs> you know, like there's like <laughs> fake blood on the ground and Yeah. Uh, now, and there's like this, some cartoonish rapper still like that that's kind of stuff that's like a BT movie level portrayal of like oh, a man. group it's the, that I, is revolutionaries and he doesn't know anything of I mean because he went yeah. to a black college and that's kind of his mindset he thinks anyone that's like a revolutionary is just a dumb criminal so that they just talk like idiots well I, yeah I, I mean like when they go no sin no I mean no sin no I mean yeah like, like a conversation funny yeah because um i that 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 struck me as well like rewatching the movie is like just how cartoonish the mau maus are and it's like yeah okay like i know that pierre delacroix is a, is a bit of a cartoon and there is a lot of cartoonish shit in this movie but it's it it doesn't quite ring right with the mau maus because it's this whole like it's this whole liberal thing of like, oh, well. Yeah, they get talked <laughs> down to constantly. And most yeah, it's like. Most the Mau Mau's, he's Jada Pinkett's brother. Jada Pinkett Smith, sorry. Jada Pinkett Smith. Can we just call her Niobe? The rest of the just call her is... Niobe, yeah. Niobe. Uh, the she's brother. good in this movie until the ending, and she's terrible. Well, yeah, she's that's terrible. the problem. Everyone is good but in this movie the, until the, the ending. But I think the script turns terrible. Yeah, it's like, what else are you going to do? don't what to do with it. I thought yeah. they were setting up a death by Mau Mau joke, but maybe that's just me and my uh, League of Gentlemen history. Yeah, that's well, let's, let's 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 talk a little bit about the Mau Maus because I actually found this kind of interesting. As um, I'm sure most of our listeners know because they're smart people or they've read uh, Born Free. Um, the Mau Maus were a uh, it was a Kenyan rebellion against the British government. So the the Mau Mau's in this movie, of course, like they're positioned as these kind of like woke rappers who have um, 
labeled themselves after these like actual like um this actual like resistance movement but the way that they're portrayed is like they just they're just well, kind they of want to be rappers, basically they're yeah and it's they drink um, a lot and they want to record rap songs and the thing is is like um when they're you know, introduced like, the the woman who's talking to she even say something like i don't know why we're in a scene or did i miss here <laughs> Maybe they were doing a lot of improvising because it's yeah. some rap, like cannabis and some other rappers are playing them out. I didn't do any like casting research here, but yeah, no, that's right. fine. A bunch of um, the the um, one the one white guy in the, in the crew is actually does have a rap background, I believe. Search. But um, uh, is the search. point I was getting to is that um, you know, while uh, Jada Pinkett's Jada Pinkett Smith, excuse me I again, okay. mm-hmm. um. Well, Jada's character is obviously like, I mean, she's pretty condescending to her brother. Extremely. I'm not even going to say a little. <laughs> yeah. Extremely condescending. Yeah, she's very condescending and it has a lot to do with, um, you know, her like kind of social class in spite of obviously. Like, I mean, the thing is, she has a point, but that's because the characters are written as alcoholic criminals. Right. And <laughs> as um, as uh, she says the to her brother at one black point. Man. Mm-hmm. As she says to her brother at one point, she says, "Y'all are embarrassing. Y'all are ignorant. Y'all no. ignorant. ignorant. Pull your pants yes. up. Yeah, yes. it's it's all those like it's like a checklist. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like the you know house Negro, uh, you know, versus now that is like a great yeah, joke, ignorant thing. She says, "Get your field nigga ass out of my house, nigga house." <laughs> Hilarious! Hilarious! I actually, and I actually so like that good. scene. The, the other, the other bit that I like is, um, and that's this the is beginning another... of the movie, and the tone is right, and it's snappy. Yeah, that's yeah. when it's good. And before just for some reason, the movie just like goes off happens. a cliff. Yeah. yeah, right. And this is another thing which I've evoked to Sean a couple of times. Um, the name that her brother has adopted for himself, Big Black Africa. Mm. Every time we talk about the 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 music of Big Black Delta, I want to call it Big Black Africa. Or Big Baby Africa. <laughs> or, or Big Baby, or Big, not Big Baby Africa, Big Baby Jesus. <laughs> big, uh, his name is Big Africa, the guy from Jungle Brothers, who was the friend Baker in Living Large. Oh, his shit. His name was Big Africa, I believe. Something Africa. Living Large, which, Living Large, which we covered uh, on an earlier episode of... His name is Something this. Africa. And it's yeah. Fantastic. Is there a bigger, blacker Africa? One, two. Uh, bigger, <laughs> blacker, and uncut. Yeah, there is. The... But that's the, uh, whoops, wrong account. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I do, I do like the line, I, and am I allowed to laugh at this, but the line where, um, uh, Yasin Bey, uh, billed as most deaf at the time, says to her, you know, at least I don't want to call myself Mufufu. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That's that Eddie was... Murphy callback. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. these are, yeah, because I mean, everything Everyone I know, you know, about, about black culture is from, you know, Sean uh, in Living Color and Eddie Murphy. stand up. Yeah, so we're the only ones who know all about black culture. I mean, that was pretty much all of white adults in the 1980s. Right. What it was like to be black from Eddie Murphy stand up. Hey, hey, Sean, let me tell you this Mr. T joke that I just heard. Yeah. (laughs) It was was, that was a deliberate callback to Eddie Murphy, who was groundbreaking and at his um, 
racial comedy, and he he loved doing stereotypes. All I mean, even Norbit, which mm-hmm. I kind of realize why people find that movie disgusting, but it's a cartoon, and mm-hmm. I think it's and yeah. I'll I mean, yeah, and and Mooney's in there. He's he's making hay a lot a lot of the same observations, but like mm-hmm. he's doing it well. So I mean, that's yeah. kind of he does the, it very well. Yeah, but I. No, did you know Mfufu was spelled U M F U F U? Because I oh, kept I typing an O O N. I thought it was O O N Fufu, and I and then I saw Mfufu is what I, the internet decided how that's spelled. Oh, I thought it was U N F U F U. It's Um Fufu. Oh. I just I just know that they I just hmm. know that they left out the um, on the subtitles they left out the exclamation points, which are supposed to indicate the the tongue clicks. Uh, yeah, you can't do anything with that. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Eddie Murphy plays it like since there's since time no longer exists. Uh, cable programming and television programming time doesn't exist. Nothing ever goes off the air anymore. So they play Eddie Murphy Raw on Showtime at like 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> that's, and you're yeah, like, that's when you need him the most. Watching this. And going, come on! Oh, you just saw Rocky. Look, little Italian white man. Like those are benchmarks. They're they're NBA games where people are saying it would me. And they're saying like Eddie Murphy. They're not talking about Shaggy. They say it like Eddie Murphy. Oh, would me. Would me. Uh, somebody did uh, sang the whole. The memory was drunk and messing up the Motown songs. That was on one of the sports channels. He sang nothing from nothing, least nothing. Oh, <laughs> all, all I remember that. I remember. I'm halfway down now. That has uh, not been on television, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, that's a that's, shame. Uh, that's early '80s comedy, and there's a lot of well, uh, yeah, that's different. Yeah, so there is yeah. good comedy in this. I mean, you know, you've got Damon Wayans; he's got his bona fides. You know, uh, Jada, whatever, uh, she's great. That pitch meeting alone, I think, oh is my hilarious. God. It's, it's, there are very big belly laughs in this movie. And that's funny. I like the juxtaposition there. I don't like most F talking shit about Master P because Master P was the man at the time. Right. But he said, we, we actually talk about real shit. We know. Yeah, uh, he's writing on records. And then when they do the pitch meeting and he's saying the things, he's saying the character names, Mike Rapport's going, uh, uh. <laughs> The thing is, um, yeah. when he when he talks shit on Master P, I could just, I imagined him going, that's right. <laughs> about it, about it. You just heard about it. <laughs> just heard about it. Oh yeah, for real. Yeah, there's a. Is there and kind of like society? Because this Indeed. is we live in a society. Mm-hmm. Um, there's elitist, uh, elitism, elitism on elitism, as in Michael Rappaport is over Damon Wayans and tells him what to do, and then Damon Wayans. Instead of saying, I'm not going to treat anybody beneath me like that, proceeds to treat Jada Pinkett the exact same way, who treats her younger brother yeah, the exact and, same um, <laughs> And pretty much exploits Mantan. I know that um, Spike Lee has gotten some criticism for how he has written women. Women. Yeah, character. <laughs> like, that's, that's number one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> Every female character, except for the ones yeah, that but, sister um, I I... I, one day, perhaps he I will meet a woman. Yeah. Nope, like now goes in the story was right, because he had an actual like, person to compare to other than that. I mean, I will say that I dice. didn't feel like uh, I didn't feel like Jada's character was that bad. She was one of the developed ones. Yeah. Which is what she 
because she turns into like a soap opera character for about 45 minutes. But, she but developed she well. Had a job she, and she had her own agenda yes. and she was the smartest member of the cast. And it did um she was always doing the actual research on what happened in minstrel shows and all the memorabilia that was around because it was the number one entertainment of the time and it was always cookie jars and banks, piggy banks, yeah. and merchandise and, and- I thought that was her just channeling Spike Lee. And well, I definitely mm-hmm. want to get to that stuff, but um, th- what yeah. I want to say about uh, uh, Jada's character Sloan is that she is believable as kind of like an upperly mobile woman who is encountering sexism in the office because you know um, Pierre like relies very heavily on her, but then he ultimately ends up treating her with contempt because, you know, oh, they, they slept together one time and, you know, he kind of throws it in her face. So, you know, it's like, okay, like I bought that. I do agree with Sean that it just kind of turns soapy. And that's like, ab- and the thing is, is that like, I know I've talked to both of you guys about this is that she's, she's not the greatest actress, but in this, she does a good job. In this, it. she's very, very good. Like, I love the yeah, scene. Yeah, I wouldn't say this was a bad yeah, performance. Yeah. This is a very good performance. I love... Her. And she even kind of does that same kind of, like, uh, bemused look in the pitch meeting, as you and I recall, from The Clumps, so... Yes. Oh, she's... She is so funny in the... In, yeah. in all the best, of the meeting scenes. Reactions because, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she sees everyone eating this up. She's very because... good in, um, like, all the... She's very good in all the pitch meeting scenes. She's, like, really good in the scene with... Uh, Yasin Bey, like the audition but... scene, she's excellent in as well. Oh, that audition! And that scene movie is great. really predicted so many things that we'd all be watching like crappy, crappy quality videos all the time. It also predicted oh, we'd yeah. be watching people like... do bad auditions all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, and we'll definitely How did get you to think that. of all this before it happened. But I do want to say she's great until she loses her mind and goes to Pierre's office with a gun i she is so bad in that yeah, scene that is like i was some like taking undergrad back. film it's a completely different writing. character but you have to remember her boy her brother had just been killed so i guess she just snapped well yeah and the thing is is like i i i get that like scene cut the, for time i mean the <laughs> the mode the motivation this is, is the scene is she we they cut out the part where she descends into madness I mean, you. But that's the thing is, like, you can say that the motivation is there, even if it's drawn in and very soapy or cartoonish. But strokes, again, this is but, why Spike Lee has issues with female care because it's like, oh, she's crazy. Right. Yeah, but I'm not even. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about purely her performance. Like that, that is, is the worst just, fake crying I've ever seen. Well, they just kind of sprayed her with condensation. <laughs> they just yeah, just like undo your hair a little. Now you're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. put this hair strand of the hair up, and we're going to spray you with mist. You've been sweating for some reason. Like, she's not crying unless she's just really sweaty. Yeah. But you know what? She's just better like, than she was in Matrix Resurrections. I thought she was. Oh, she was in Matrix Resurrections? I age makeup. I had no problem with that. I thought I that like was like a lump of clay, than... like a puppet. I like her age makeup. Oh, well. face. <laughs> I like the age makeup face. It's better than her bad mom's face. Yeah. <laughs> the girl strip is very funny. Um, my uh, family used to watch Girl Strip for multiple years because she did not like Jada Pinkett's face anymore. But we don't need to talk about that. Give her back her old face. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, the, at that point in the movie, 
I don't know if I said it to myself at one point, but the movie had already gone off the rails. It's kind of around the point where the show becomes popular. And yeah. it was supposed to be a prank to get him fired, to be like, oh, see, you're in trouble now. Look how unpopular the show was. And then, of course, it becomes a hit. Mm-hmm. And he decides, oh, I'm going to roll with this. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> giving me the keys of the kingdom. And he kind of gives over to it. And at first, it's really funny that he just gives mm-hmm. over to it. And it's kind of like if yeah, anybody he, he gets a couple of awards for it. If anybody's seen Don't Look Up, it's like when DiCaprio embraces his, his role as Fauci and just starts deceiving the people on in the media. Oh, I didn't watch that shit because I canceled Netflix. Yeah, it's it's fine. But um, <laughs> I've seen better. It's not awful. Um, but he wins the award, and that reference is probably you only have to only a certain people that follow the award season remembers that. But there was a year; it had to have been that year or previous year where Ving Rhames won an award, and he went up to win the award, and he said, "I don't deserve this award. Jack Lemon does. I love Jack Lemon." And he was better than me and gives his award to Jack Lemon. It was right. a direct parody of that. And I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I was, was completely what? lost the time, but he, yeah, that actually I, happened. I couldn't, I did not remember that, but I, I what prompted Ving Rams to do that is what I'd like. He to really know. thought Jack Lemon was really good in 12 angry man. Yeah, yeah fair was, enough. So, Jack, but Jack Lemmon was just a presenter. Like, he hadn't been in a movie that year. Oh, he was nominated for oh. 12 Angry Men. For Grumpy Old Men. No, it was 12 Angry Men. No. So, there's just the two of it them, was, then. It was two years before this. He won for Don King. And there they are. Mm. That He just actually handed it to him. Wait, so, huh? but Jack Lemmon was not a presenter. He was also nominated? He was another nominee. Oh, okay. He won for Don King. Jack Lemon was the lead. So that moment had nothing to do with uh, Ted Danson in blackface, because I was waiting Not for something like that. No, unfortunately, no. that didn't happen. And it's funny, the pretty much the actual show that they make is exactly like the Ted Danson roast. <laughs> like, that's the material they were doing. And so you knew it was, it was quality. Just, the two of them were yucking it up, just staring at each other. I'm like, you thought Kim and Kanye was a better relationship. You didn't see the... <laughs> you, you, you sweet summer child. You know what we lived through? No idea. Yeah, all those, um, all those people who watch... They the made good, a movie together. <laughs> all those people who watch The Good Place like do not even know about Ted and Whoopi. It's fantastic. Yeah. Another just like precious how, moment lost to time. It's it just like how everyone is a, everyone. It's just like how everyone is aghast about um, Machine Gun Kelly and and Megan Fox, but they don't remember Billy Bob and Angelina. Oh, it's just everything old is new again. Yeah, that is. Wait, true. Machine Gun Kelly? Wouldn't he be like dead for forty years? No, this is a reincarnated Machine Gun Kelly. Oh wow! What they brought that? him back. He animated his body and made him like a a SoundCloud rapper rocker <laughs> that well, sounds awful i'm glad i never leave my apartment so badly by eminem he said i'm gonna go make mtv pop rock Sick. Like, never gonna take me seriously as a rapper again so but anyway um the the minstrel show stuff is interesting because i mean they uh spike lee definitely <clears throat> spike lee definitely knew his 
material because a lot because of that... Because they putting it in the movie. Oh, yeah, and a lot of the, the aspects of their show, like just the fact that they're named, the two leads are named um, Mantown and Sleepin' Eight, those are names of actual... Actual actors from back in the day who were they were they were black men but they were playing these really still degrading, had face a lot of the time yeah they were playing these really degrading step and fetch it type roles in fact like i believe i saw somewhere that um uh will willie best who played sleep and eat like for a while he wasn't even credited with his real name they just called him sleep and eat Yikes. like in the credits i know it's here for like he, willie like best. he was owned by the studio well, exactly, and so, and I think that's why. What does like, that sound like? And that's, uh, yeah. I think that's why the um, a lot of the satire of this movie is like uncomfortable as it is, because a lot of the minstrel shit feels really bad to watch. But you're yeah. like, well, well, that's you know, because like, it's vaudeville, and vaudeville has not aged well. Yeah, they're old jokes. <laughs> they're yeah. not even laughing jokes. They're hee haw jokes. Yeah, they're terrible jokes. They put that's on the cardinal sin. A, there's a clip because it's kind of a clip show as well. There's clips of uh, a lot of minstrel show clips. Both his research and both his Spike Lee likes to mm-hmm. be inventive. So he'll have clips of people and their caricatures mm-hmm. as, as callbacks. Pig Meat Markham shows up, which I actually I enjoy. Here comes the judge because laughing owns. But like they're not <laughs> doing here come the judge. They're doing like right, the, the, the guy that danced next to Shirley Temple. It's and, the stuff that you see. Um, you'll occasionally yeah. see on Turner Classic Movies mm-hmm. when you're uh, when you're going through the channels and you're like, what the you know, f- When your dad's asleep fuck? in front of the TV. You're like, what's this part of Now Voyager that I don't remember with the servants? <laughs> it's not actually <laughs> Now Voyager, but it's a movie from that era and like the servants right. will come in and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> Who it, are these people supposed to be? <laughs> and when I was researching it, it really hit me because like I've watched my share of uh, you know classic era Hollywood movies and you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like they really just didn't fucking put black people in the movies at all unless they were like you know like train attendants or whatever yeah train attendants servants and hobos and yeah and so that leads that kind of see what the whole michelle nichols thing is in context Mm -hmm. yeah that's true because and i know that we've talked a lot on the show about kind of the the hollowness of current identity politics and how you know a lot of people seem like they'd just be happy if like oh you know we get enough we get a few black people on tv and movies and, and you know what's really good is that the way because he thinks the show's gonna be a flop and it's gonna be picketed but it's not a flop and it's still mm-hmm. picketed and then they have like a there like a training session or like a group session where he has to be the face to defend it like this show can't be racist a black man created it and the things they say he's like mention the community a lot and wear kente cloth and i'm like huh yeah how many <laughs> things did this man predict right no to 2020 yeah no, there are all these kind of ways to like spin something that's you know yeah. not indefensible because i hear that's... you i see you i'm kneeling on your neck Ugh, yeah <laughs> like but that whole scene where they get yeah. like an outside consultant to come in and tell them like, okay, here's how you're gonna spin this, and like, yeah, all it's of like the you employ a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those it's characters like, are always well written because those are like the people he actually interacts with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, there's man, your well written condescending uh, yeah. rich white people really well. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like it it in um. It's very weird that, like, 20, 
22 years later this movie came out it's like it almost like there are parts of it which are still like just brutally apt like yeah anything about the tv the tv show stuff and how the writers weren't good and how white people are allowed to say uh the n-word because they have the black kids yeah or just the the um is it mc search i believe it is mc search is the um yeah, MC Search, Charlie Baltimore. I thought it was uh, a different rapper. Charlie Baltimore, Cannabis, and I can't remember. But they're also, their names are Hard Black, Double Black, Mo Black, Charlie Baltimore, Smooth Black, that would be the woman, and mm-hmm. MC Search is 116th Black. <laughs> his actual rapper name. So he wasn't just yelling that at the end. That's, that was his actual rap name, character name. Yes. I don't know. One that's drop. actually pretty clever. I think it's that's very funny. funny. It's very yeah. funny. Is, Those characters is, are, they start off funny, and then you're kind of like, "This is condescending." <laughs> like, yeah, it's, they, originally they wanted a revolution, but then they just decided to become like kidnappers. <laughs> well, it's it's um, it's like this picture of uh, leftism, like actual activism, is kind of like, oh, we're gonna. Kidnap and kill kidnap a Aldo white dude. Moro kind of shit. <laughs> let's kidnap a white dude. It's let's like find this... the lightest. Let's find the lightest skinned person responsible and shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it's very it's. I mean, I guess you know. Again, like Sean pointed out, everything old is new again, and a lot of like this treatment of the Mau Mau characters is like reading like liberal Twitter accounts. Exactly where, like it. Yeah, where it's like, oh, like, you know, oh, these people just, they they just go too far. And like, you know, everyone who voted for Bernie is just cosplaying and like they don't. And it's like, okay, well, like, I know you don't know any actual organizers. Like, I don't know if Spike Lee does either. If people were (laughs) mad at Susan Sarandon in 2000. I do, I do. Like, damn you, the Banger Sisters star. You stopped Al Gore well, from being president. I do find it darkly. Then, hmm? No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Please. I was going to say, I do find it darkly humorous that, you know, when the, uh, that after, you know, spoiler alert, after they, uh, you know, assassinate, uh, not Man Ray. Um, but it's yeah, they, that's yeah. His name. Yeah, I guess his, his real name. Um, Man Ray. After they is after the the gang you know assassinates him, then they're all killed by cops except for the white guy who was arrested. One sixteen black. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one like, who was well, shot by cops. I mean, he knew that he knew that's what he knew that's what would happen because that's what would happen. Right. <laughs> he's like, some of this is not satire. Right. <laughs> some of this well, is actually happening. Yeah, it's like we were saying in an earlier episode. Like you know, good satire, like it it hits, like it it like touches on something relevant. Dope in the middle of all the insanity. He was like, "This this is real." Yep. And at that point, <laughs> the movie is way off the rails, like AI off the rails, two thousand years later off the rails, and I'm like, "Huh." That's yeah, too bad. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> moment, but yeah, that doesn't excuse the the last forty minutes of the movie. No. And it's funny because um, as much as there has been a sort of progress in entertainment and some of the larger culture i mean you know there's a scene with the the all white writers roundtable for example yeah they do Um, kind of touch on the context of that as well yeah which is like okay like i feel as though we have moved on somewhat from that but 
in other do- ways, like, you know, I will say this, like, I, well, I think that the movie is deeply flawed and yeah, it does completely go off the rails. It hit me when I was watching it. I was like, well, um, like it is relevant to today that like a bunch of black people die and then everybody just kind of moves on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. As like, it's, and it's filmed on DV, so you can watch it over and over again on the internet. And it yeah, all reminds me of point. another form of entertainment involving black people that was popular, and that entertainment was called lynchings. Lynching, yeah. Which people would set up picnics for and take their children to. What's the uh, the the riff tracks joke? Fun for the whole clan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. This great <laughs> yeah, forms and, of entertainment we had. Right. Yeah, and I mean, this was happening like in the well. Okay, like yes, it was more common in the early part of the 20th century and before but you know it's not to say that this kind of thing doesn't still happen sure hasn't stopped happening the last time i checked right and maybe they sell fewer postcards but let's not pretend it isn't still happening yeah. <laughs> like i mean and it is again it's interesting to watch it 20 years later but like in the context of like you know, all the the protests and political uprisings of 2020, where it's like these are still perennial concerns. And I, it does hit me like every time I, um, you know, like if you look at the lifespan of like black entertainers, where a lot of them like, die younger than like white entertainers and you know that's like not just the entertainers it's like across like the black community in in the united states it's like black people in general have poorer health outcomes right. Wasn't than white people being rames like 54 or something it's ridiculous yeah rames is it's... Dead? what are you talking about or the so other like, guy you know what good I lord looking... <laughs> <laughs> right <clears throat> Like I was looking up um, the the. Who am I confusing him with then? Michael Clark Duncan. Thank you. He was young. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, he's dead too. That's right. Well, wow, Tim, conflating Mac. two black actors. Racist. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. That's the Wonder Show's. I was trying to pick. Yeah, trying to picture. What he was from. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about Michael Clark Duncan. I memory hold him. I always, I will always remember Michael Clark Duncan because of... Um, in, in his, from the Daredevil movie. No, his uh, uh, his very great magical Negro role in the Green Mile. Oh, not take my hand, boss. Yeah, yeah that's... that's The v Rames Award thing is what confused me. I thought oh, it was that Green Mile. Hurts. That movie right. hurts to watch. <laughs> well, now there's... There, well, now there can be only one, so... But yeah, black entertainers have been having notoriously short careers, whether it would be poor health, poor health care, addiction, mm-hmm. all the way mm-hmm. back to Bilbo Jangles, Pennyless, and um, Billie Holiday, and Bessie Smith yeah. died in a car accident, and yeah, a lot of and accidents and a lot of... Um, misadventure? Misadventure. Yeah. And of course, and- funk artists in the 70s the 90s who just got <laughs> mowed down in the streets and rappers in the 2020s who are getting shot 
Still yeah, doing that, huh? A lot of it. And it's interesting because, Everywhere. like, um, like it kind of uh, tapered off, but it's back big way again. Well, because like mm. hip hop is robbings, like hip hop. Hip hop has indisputably won like the culture war in a way because, like, you know, rock isn't relevant anymore, and like except for Mars Volta and uh, early seventies <laughs> Genesis. Right. Hey, and, Jen, uh, just because you don't like to party. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you, you guys know what I'm saying. Like, you know, hip-hop is like... No, it's, it's, the, it's the predominant culture that is still pretty much marketed as the hip culture. Well, right. the guy who got robbed and in his car and shot? Was he 6 nine in 9 6-9, unfortunately, is still alive. Damn! But he no, has protection. Yeah, he turned snitch. Minus Tentacion and Nipsey Hussle and um, thank you. Let's see who died. But, this young Dolph has died. But Where's the, the Wikipedia entry? It's a lot of rappers that have died in like the last year. Yeah, but the point the point Jeez. that I'm making is um, that like in spite of like the point that I'm making is in spite of hip hop's cultural dominance, like these these. Entertainers are still like dying at like an absurdly high rate. Mm-hmm. Like I think the only like profession that ha- like entertainment profession that has a higher death rate is pro wrestling, or maybe pro wrestling is comparable. I'm not sure. <laughs> you would but, know. Um, uh, what a- what about Fifty Cent? Is he still alive? He is producing um, hood soap operas for, for stars. Oh, he's a mogul. He's puffy now. I guess he's he the did TV get mogul. rich. Yeah, he does uh, like. Power is very successful. He's on Power Book 2, which is slightly less successful. But Mary J. Blige and Method Man, some other people I've been told are putting good performances. Power is very addictive. You watch Power, you'll be like, oh, man, i got to watch some more Power. It's you heard it here first. Power is addictive. Power is addictive. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's what the show is for, folks. But letting yeah, you know Honestly, about... 50 Cent is better as a bad television mogul than he was as like a... <laughs> studio gangster caricature. I know he was an actual gangster, but his like rap songs were not actually his life. And I don't know if anyone heard any of that because I was talking in my croaking voice, but <laughs> I didn't no, know. But I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Me but personally, I... I was not a Cent fan. I thought he was a parody of '90s rappers, and it was no, just you're for, right like, because I remember his songs being pretty stupid. Yeah, he was. He was like a. He was like if Small Soldiers did a gangster rap version. <laughs> Oh damn! Like he broke out of the packaging and became a real, a real live boy, G. real G, and made people yep. beg for mercy. Also, oh, I mean, it's a lowercase rap style. I don't like. Why would you still master P's rap style? Uh, <laughs> well, because you're Sean Combs. That's why. Uh, or no, that's yeah. no, that's the other guy. But yeah, I would think. Do you think uh, Delacroix or De La, as they call him, which is sort of a reference? It's funny that there's no De La Soul in the movie, but they call him De La. There is a reference yeah, to hell? De La Soul, though. No, well, there's a reference there? to In Living Color. Oh, because yeah, they're the, on at the at the um, when um, when uh, uh, Man Ray and Womack try to get into the building for their their meeting with Delacroix, well, like one of the. Uh, one of the one of the security guards is like, no, there's they don't remember his name, and so they're like De La De La something, and, and one of the security guards is like, there's no De La Soul here either. <laughs> Got him. N.W.H. niggas with hemorrhoids. <laughs> 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 Copper 
We should talk about that movie. That God, I great. love that movie. It's a masterpiece. Masterpiece. Um, oh, I get it. Masterpiece uh, <laughs> Theater. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. The revolutionaries, the revel, uh, uh, Alan Payne's revolutionary character in CD4 is probably more fleshed out than the Mau Mouse. And all he did it was like buy a book and have a spiritual advisor walk around and make the I'm blackety black and I'm black y'all song. And he's still a more fleshed out character. <laughs> yeah. And it's rules. because like they do evoke Franz Fanon in this movie, but it's like, Oh, haha. Like they're just saying his name to look woke. It's like, and like when they actually do their raps, they're not real. Cause there's actual political rap and revolutionary rap. Dead press. Yeah. More technique etc etc but when their refs come on they just it's word salad yeah socialistic revolutionary blah blah with the mouth mouths get downtown which was on purpose (laughs) that'll teach them because spike lee does not know much about the hippity hop culture past i would say the year knocking boots was a popular phrase (laughs) maybe he's trying to bring it back he did not it was unsuccessful he doesn't seem to know TV Pitchman, too, because I noticed when Michael Rappaport is introduced, he gives kind of like the same selling pep talk that you see in like a James Wen movie. Where it's yeah. like, we aren't getting high enough ratings. Get higher ratings. Write better shows. All our shows are bad. Like, be all right. the idiot box. Yeah. Ten million dollars. Ten mil. Uh, yeah, so like a lot of the, the characters are kind of like lacking in nuance. On that level, yeah. which I think you know, kind of stems from the uh, the the writer, uh, which works when before. it's a, which works when it's a comedy because they can yes. be yeah. odd. But when you have them like now, they have to get into some sort of like how we haven't seen them be serious for ninety minutes. Right. Yeah, and you see, like some of those scenes are played where it's like you know you're waiting for you know John Singleton to walk through and be like message message because <laughs> <laughs> like get it. Yeah, it's like here's here's uh, Jada to do like an info dump on like minstrel shows or like you know the um, like Gollywog you know dolls or something like that. Yep. So that it just comes in, in in pieces. And yeah. And it goes, and then you actually watch a taping of the show, and it's extremely offensive. Right. The most offensive part, I think, I I don't know if I remember people walking out, but I remember there being some really bad audience reactions when I saw it when they went into the crowd and they were asking people if they were niggers and there was like a Puerto Rican and a white woman and like I'm a nigger, and they're all in blackface the entire crowd and you're just like Ugh. Which is, <laughs> I know I, I think there was some squirming in the seats when I saw that in that theater. I could believe, yeah, I could see that happening. Like, but the thing Ugh. is, is that it's so. I mean, and. This I will hand to Spike Lee. Like, as much as I was laughing during this movie, there were a bunch of, there were many moments where I was, like, profoundly uncomfortable for so many reasons. And I was like, you know what? Props, because, like, this should be uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, like the um the, the one guy who's like, yeah, I'm Sicilian. And it's just like, oh, my God, here we and go. like, are we doing this again? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he has a Quentin Tarantino fetish, so. Yeah. And, and you notice, too, that, like, Jen, that you know, profound discomfort that you're feeling is reflected like when they do their first show. And mm-hmm. I and I have to assume that those are genuine like audience reactions <laughs> of people see, who like, didn't know like what they're seeing because you see like not have told them. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, do you want to be a test audience for a show? And then you know there's the woman kind of like nervously like rubbing the back of her neck and you know just like white people just like leaning forward just like aghast, like not sure how to react. Like that yeah, is, and then 
they cut to one black guy in the crowd who's just like just stone face like just like (laughs) all right like i don't even know (laughs) yeah (laughs) just everyone's just kind of like what do we do what happened it's funny that the wonder shows and people saw that and go we should do that again yeah, like that. oh, I love making people uncomfortable. That's my you oh, know yeah. my now, humor. Did something very similar in Black Klansman, but it's somehow more successful and less successful because that movie has other issues because it's dripping with COINTELPRO propaganda. But that's a different <laughs> movie. But the film, it's a similar thing that he does in that when he has really really uncomfortable scenes and they go on really long. You're like, oh, are we supposed to be watching this? Going, Ugh. Because he's infiltrated the clan, so you have to hear all these conversations. I'm like, I feel icky. Right, yeah. yeah. Turns out the clan this. is not to be uh, emulated or respected. So, mm-hmm. the, yeah, I guess we, we probably aren't going to cover Birth of a Nation on this show then. Sorry. Ooh, there are clips from uh, Birth of a Nation in this, including the, the infamous like post-reconstruction scene and like, the legislation. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's so bad. Yeah, if the movie was made now, he would put in, like, Chappelle's racism fairy. Would be in, <laughs> from season three and, that caused him to walk off the show. And it's, yeah, and it's funny because, like, that also came to my mind was, like, the whole um, the whole story about, um, you know, Chappelle, like, looking at, like, a white crew member who was, like, laughing a little too hard at a bit and being, like, do I really want to keep doing and this? And Man Ray finally does that. He, he experiences that level of success. And then it's, well, it's really Tommy Davidson's character. Leaves right. First, and he just can't take it anymore. He's traumatized. Yeah, he kind of has that Chappelle, like, go to a farm in Ohio kind but of But Man Ray, Savion Glover's character, he's um, not as smart. I know yeah. he's asked if he reads, and he says he does not. And we all know about avid non-readers and their, uh, <laughs> <laughs> their capacity for uh, analyzing the situations they're in. <laughs> he's, not as, he, he's not as quick on the uptake. Right. Yeah, he no, it's true. Because... It until later. Because the way that their their uh, characters are but he's a fantastic dancer. He is. Yeah, like um, save, uh, saving Glover's character Mantan is or Man Ray, and eventually Mantan is you know obviously like very gifted as a dancer, but you know uh, Tommy Davidson is Womack. Like he's kind of there to sell him because he's like I got the brains, you got the feet, and you know which is fair, but um, I. <sighs> I feel like the movie suffers a little bit for um, saving Glover's character being like so like behind. Yeah. Like he's it's like, Like, are you following what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. It's like I get that he's not like the 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 fast talker and he's not necessarily informed. It's kind of the puppet of the whole. I mean, that's. uh, I would say so. he's the most puppet-like character because he's pulled in every direction by pretty much every force mm-hmm. in yeah. the movie, whether it's the executives or just needing money yeah. for the women or the people above mm-hmm. ahead of him, and then the fans. And they, it, it's it's funny when he comes out in blackface. I thought of the I didn't do it, boy, because he just <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore, and he has a break. He refuses to come out, and they delay the show, delay the show, and he says, "I'm not going. I'm not doing it with makeup." And mm-hmm. says, they're going to hate you for this. And he goes out anyway, and it's just crazy. Oh, yeah. And then he does spoken yeah. words. So, yeah, yeah of like, course the audience is going to hate him. They're like, you're not <laughs> saying the line. He Say did the line, wuzzle. Bart. Yeah, he he did not. He did woozle wuzzle. And then and, tap, 
And suddenly they didn't like tap dancing anymore. Like the spell was broken. They're like, we don't want to see a black man. We want to see these caricatures. Yes. Which is kind of the point is that you want to, um, there's a quote from the, I, I didn't look up. I'm bad at research. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it's a James Baldwin quote, and the movie ends with a James yeah. Baldwin quote that doesn't kind of fit with the stupid stuff we just saw. <laughs> <laughs> like it's been that an hour and a half of the movie, and I've been like, yeah, but he drove like, but all those squibs necessary for that? <laughs> but there's it's a line weird. about uh, James Baldwin has about white people needing to come into terms with the nigger they've created in their minds, like black people in their heads. Right. It's different than what black people actually are. I'm not that's not a direct quote, but right. it's something about that. And basically they don't want a black man. They want mm-hmm. a tap dancing sambo with big giant lips. Yeah, it's um I I don't kind of... I don't know if I'm allowed to 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 say the word that um describes that. You can say Jen abortion. And has no. two O's. Um <laughs> That's what the audience wants. They want. You can say coos. Goodness. <laughs> I, I love that Forrest. I mean, Hollywood was notorious for like being like, you can't have sex, you can't have violence, but you can be virulently racist in a right. PG movie. And I remember yeah, it doesn't I hurt anyone. Gump in the anniversary. I was like, this was the last time you could say nigger and coon in a PG thirteen movie. Like, what a relic! Ah, oh, nineteen ninety four. <laughs> Look, it was a different time. Set in Alabama, it's historically accurate. It's it's very weird because, like, like, yes, like, in particular, the the N-word is, like, really, like, unacceptable at this point. But I feel like I still see it, like, all the fucking time on social media. And every week there's some... And young people still think it's just, like, the fun, hip thing to say. Yeah, and, like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, black Twitter or whatever. I'm talking about um, people being like, well, why shouldn't I be able to say it? And yeah, that's like, a whole which, different you know, that's Michael Rappaport does in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Exactly. He is that character, exactly. He should just stick to being like, Ma, come look at this cat. <laughs> Ma, the fucking cat's back. <laughs> yeah, so, an ugly-ass cat. Right. And so, yeah, his character is still, you know, relevant as... You know, people just sort of being like, "Oh, it's it's okay. I get to say, yeah, because that guy is still here." I mean, we talked earlier about like maybe Spike Lee sprung the minstrel show stuff on an unaware audience. We don't know, but um, did he explain to Michael Rappaport what he was doing, or was he like, "Hey, you just be you, be yourself"? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) give us more of the the that great Rappaport. It's funny, the, his most uh, performance that was most unlike him was when he had to play the skinhead in Higher Learning, because he's not like that at all. Because he doesn't know anything about Higher yeah, Learning. Yeah, in real life, he's like the prototype <laughs> for Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> he was 10 years before the don't be hating person. He was an actual person. But yeah, he uh, celebrity rock and jock and be like, Queen Latifah took me to the hole. <laughs> the basketball game. <laughs> Sorry, what, Tim? No, so, yeah, to your earlier point about, like, you know, confronting the, you know, Negro which white America has created, or, you know, uh, however you want to put it, uh, that is, you know, the, the point of you know, when the when the sort of veil is uh, dropped from the show, and suddenly it's the audience has to confront, you know, these really uncomfortable truths and this uncomfortable history that the that they'd much rather be able to sort of laugh off and put in this kind of prescribed entertainment space. Like that's, 
I feel like is the point of the movie. But and we're maybe already these things in- should be more aware, be made aware, not as entertainment, but as things you teach in history or in school. Maybe uh, might, might make some people in Arkansas uncomfortable. I don't oh, know. I dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, well, well let's have Jimmy Walker say dynamite in a Medicaid commercial instead. Oh, God. That'll get the point. I mean, <laughs> that just made, that, that makes everyone uncomfortable. Dynamite in there because that was a big thing that was just like something that was funny that turned into a, a bad stereotype caricature. And now he's still doing it. And it's like old Krusty the Clown. Like, Whoa, dynamite. Yeah. And I think <laughs> very that, sad. Um, because like Spike Lee was very critical of some of these shows which were in their own way groundbreaking at the time, but could also be accused of, uh, maybe I'll beep it, uh, coonery. Right. Boys in outer space. That was they do, but yeah, they mentioned oh, that shit, in particular. Yeah. And yeah. the secret yeah. diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. They said Pfeiffer, but I know we called it Pfeiffer. I don't know. Nobody, nobody remembers those. They shouldn't. No. I don't remember that. I do remember I, Homeboys in Outer Space just because I'm like, this is a real show. Secret Diary doesn't provide He was like, wasn't he the assistant to Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, uh, he was. He it was it like was, a period it was Benson, sitcom. But it was the Lincoln administration instead of like the <laughs> governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Krause. Um, Put that switch down. I don't know what the jokes were. I didn't watch. I don't know if they aired more than three episodes of that show. Yeah, you know, it's all about dysentery and, you know, quill pens. I, I could. Uh, I don't know. The, briefly, it, it's kind of it's not connected to anything. But since this is a min- movie about minstrel shows, I'd like to plug a rap. I, this is my rap album plug. Do oh. it. Um, Little Brother, the minstrel show which is magnificent. It was an album that came out in 2005 that uh, the power, mainstream media powers that be thought would go over the audience's heads and kind of didn't promote, and it flopped. It now is regarded as a hip-hop classic, of course, because it was great music. But it was the album. It wasn't the album cover, but they're smiling on the album cover, and there's a little logo of actual minstrels in the corner. And basically, their point was... Even this uh, hip hop thing is our minstrel show now because they only want this certain kind of hip hop. So they do like a R and B sketch, and they'll do like the Mad Dad Diary of a Mad Black Daddy, the, the sitcoms. I mean, the rest of it's just like smart hip hop, but the skits in between is it's a a network called the You Black Niggas Network, and <laughs> the programming is is the rap album. But in between, there's all these TV commercials for the shows, and it's very it's it's that kind of thing. And BT notoriously saw one of the videos and said, this is too intelligent for our audience and refused to play it. Uh, <laughs> what do you even do in that situation? They also did this with De La Soul a year before. So it was a thing they had done and continued to do. Well, yeah, which kind of puts into perspective the bit in the movie, which is right before the Tommy Hill boop ad. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the ad for malt liquor... <laughs> Yeah, oh, the is an exhibit in that. I think is I he? saw exhibit in that. There were so many rappers who would go on to to whore themselves for major media money that were in that movie parading whore themselves for major media money. Like, yeah, exhibit would never sell malt liquor. He'd much rather put fireplaces in the trunk of your car. 
<laughs> I mean, and like the roof would never be the house band on a popular variety show. That's beneath them. <laughs> and that I highly to... recognize Questlove because of Adult Swim. You yeah, know, that's, it's... yeah, well, that brings me. That's where they that, got that idea. <laughs> that that brings me to another point that I want to bring up, which is the um, the theme in the movie about selling out, um, and. I don't know, like, I feel as though Spike Lee kind of, I mean, you know, he, he made, he, had a, he made Malcolm X and everything. Yeah, I'm, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is my, this is my thing with Spike Lee. I tried to divvy up the kinds of Spike Lee there are. There's elite okay. Spike Lee, which is really astute. It's on, and it has a, a, a starting point and an ending point. It has a point. Interesting. It's it's not too blunt. It's it's like do the right thing, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Like this is that's you know that's mm-hmm. when he's he's firing all cylinders. It all works out, and you're like that was a well made product. Like you really know. Then you got like the mainstream, like crowd pleasing Spike Lee who made Inside Man, which is just a heist movie. Mm-hmm. Does Sam. Old Boy Count? Hmm? Does Old Boy Count as crowd pleasing Spike Lee? I don't know if that made money or not. The old boy I just know me. I like Summer of Sam. Um, even though yeah, there was no... kind of counts as Crowley's pleasing Spike Lee, maybe. Yeah. I don't think Summer of Sam made money, though. Yeah. There's another... I, I've had another thing I called White Spike Lee, which are the Spike Lee movies that don't have black people in them. So maybe that's <laughs> Summer of Sam. That's not crowd-pleasing. It's just like the white people movie. Well, that's when like the, the sort of like New York out. part of him comes out. Yeah, it's, it's just about New Yorkers. Yeah. It's New York Spike Lee. Um, Maybe that's the sub subgenre. And, and then there's just like completely awful Spike Lee like girl where it's just there's girl just six. nothing. Girl like, don't watch this movie. <laughs> right. I'm not sure if the sweet blood of Jesus is that. I I was informed that it might have not all been made by him. It might have been made by his film students and places and he just put his <laughs> name on it. But that's not true. Don't 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 quote me uh, on that. Well, uh, what I what I kinda wanna get at is that um You kinda get all of those in this movie. Yeah, well, what I kind of want to get at with with this particular point is that um, I feel like like Spike Lee kind of understands these class issues a little bit, but kind of not because like he's he kind gotten... of enjoys his status in one of them in one of those mm-hmm. conversations. That's and a good he's observation. Yeah. Side. He has picked yeah because. Like, and that's not the side that the Paul Mooney character is on because, like, he's he's marginalized, yes, mm-hmm. but like he has his integrity. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what I want to get at. Is doing it on his own terms. He said those, as what he emphasized, those people are laughing with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I tell my jokes, they're with me. Yeah, and the way he's and the way he's presented in the movie, like his uh, Pierre, his son, just does not fucking get it he's like what like what do you do with your life after where'd you get that accent from (laughs) yeah because and it's very clear that his his father junebug is like perfectly happy to be like playing these kind of small clubs like he's doing he's doing okay like he's never gonna be rich and it's fine because he's doing material he's content yeah he has everything he wants out of life yeah, and he's not doing material, which is kind of like shucking and jiving for like a it white audience. It doesn't hurt audience. his soul when he lays down, and I'm thinking, why did I say that for attention and entertainment? Right. Oh, man, that's me at the end of every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> so there is there is that, but I again. But <laughs> feel I, good about but, the things you create. Okay, Whoops, yeah. Lauren, no. but there is like it, which is like fine. Like okay, we we've we've got that scene, and it's like okay, well you know like if you're an artist with integrity, like and he you know, kind of fair. looks and, down on Paul Mooney, but again, that's written in the script that he's an alcoholic. So he could have just been a, a comedian that likes to tour and enjoys his life yeah, and I mean, had a could... life. But of course, he had to write in, "Oh, he's drunk." No, I'm glad. So I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about how that theme relates in terms of uh, Man Ray, but it also applies to to Junebug because it's like, you know, at first because he has this monologue about how like he's basically content with his life, but then when, like. As the scene concludes, like Pierre and his father's girlfriend are kind of like hauling him back to his place and he's just smashed. And I might be misreading it, but the scene feels like it has a little bit of a tone of like, <laughs> well, you know, look at this fucking alcoholic yeah, it's demeaning. loser. It's very yeah. demeaning. It kind of like he has this noble scene where you're like, this guy is making sense. Yes. And it, it has it. It's it's. For me, it's like the center of the movie, that centerpiece. It kind of, it explains right. Delacroix's motives. It explains what he's trying to do <laughs> and not doing well, but it's mm-hmm. successful because it's so lowbrow. Yeah. And what he wanted to do initially. We never get to see, he says he wrote a script that was a satire and the, the, the suits and Michael Rappaport made it funnier and jazzed it up, allegedly put all the offensive stuff in there. But we don't know what his original, it might have actually been satire. It might right. have been like the Eddie Murphy, Stevie Wonder, Cottonland SNL skit. <laughs> you know, yeah, I like, remember um, that when they were they had a theme park called Cottonland and they pretended to be slave masters and made white people pick cotton. <laughs> theme park. I don't remember that one. You imagine Sarah and I live doing things topical and like. Wow. Pointed. So, those like, are the days. Only when Eddie Murphy's on the show. <laughs> well, and you mentioned that because and um, it's it's uh, shit. I lost I, my train of thought. I didn't think, you know, much of the, you know, Paul Mooney being dismissed as an alcoholic because I'm like, oh, he's a successful touring comic. That's of course, he gets yeah, falling I'm, down I'm, drunk. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of more talking about how, like, um, I, I don't know, like, I could be completely wrong. It's just that um, how his worldview is presented is a good one, and then they're like, oh, haha, he's a drunk. Yeah, like I don't, I kind of don't know. In a way to me, he was the character was looking down on him, and also the movie kind of diminished what he so, had just yeah said. like what you're saying Great like point. spike is still taking sides and he's taking the yeah, sides because exactly. it's like um it's I also don't... how day law decides to pick sides in the movie he's like I, I i didn't want this but you know what i'm gonna get some awards now yeah I'm gonna and if that's what show. you're about then yeah and i can and see I mean... he becomes he becomes master p puffy suge knight <laughs> and he was the puppet in the beginning and then he decides he wants to be a puppet but he's not very yeah, good Yeah, he kind of he sells out or he buys in, depending on how you look and, at it. And Jen, Jen, what were you saying? Well, I mean, Sean's kind of summing up exactly what I'm getting at. And, Sorry. Um, because, no, 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 because, like, I yeah, don't... Yeah, why do we even have you on? Stepped on all of your... <laughs> hey, I don't have notes for this. <laughs> well, like I said, like, I didn't know... Sometimes it's hard to know what Spike Lee is kind of getting at with this movie. And there are, things that are, there are things that are on point and then stuff where it's like, like, I don't think you really get it, dude. Like, you know, like the Mau Mau's kind of the treatment of 
Man Ray because he's not... not in all of his movies. Like I was saying, there's the top like Malcolm X do the right thing where everything seems perfectly plotted out and organic and it all fits together. Mm-hmm. And then it's like Jungle Fever, which has these absolute brilliant conversations and intelligent pieces. And then like the worst ending you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> and Bamboo <laughs> is that the wake up ending? No, that was School oh. Days, which oh, also right. has some good. That's more lighthearted. It's like mm-hmm. it's basically Animal House. It's just a black college, but it, it has a unnecessarily didactic ending that doesn't make any sense. But um, the Jungle Fever ending, Jungle Fever has some amazing sequences, and also the the marketing ploy of the interracial relationship is the least developed relationship in the entire movie <laughs> every other character has a better there's these guys these italian guys that talk at egg cream stuff. the conversations are brilliant the women when the husband found cheating on them they have about all these men ain't shit they only want the white women as soon as they get i was like there's he's making these are all like things that are really going on and relevant and then at the end someone walks up and says i suck your big black dick for two dollars and he grabs the the, the prosecutor and yells, "No!" <laughs> and George Lucas said, "That's how I want to end episode three. Right? Yeah, same <laughs> same basic arc. Yeah. He's like, "What? Why, why did you do that to your movie?" So you you think that maybe like Spike Lee as the like auteur and a list director maybe doesn't understand like maybe at the ground level. Uh, sort of the working class black experience. Also, he needs an editor because he writes a lot of this stuff himself. And mm, it's yeah. kind of just, I wrote it. This is how it's going to come out. He doesn't have any executives over him punching it up, and that's good that he has autonomy, but he needs a. I mean, I would say a lot of Malcolm X had uh, some writing collaborations and also was based on real life and books that have been written right yeah there um, there have been uh movies that we've covered that we, they kind of swing both ways in terms of you know network notes and yeah. maybe bringing yeah, I, in some I artists pull out all of my tears of spike lee but i would say like he got games on the upper level because he understands again big business and how executives talk and he knows all about the shoe industry and how they target athletes he knows a lot about that world so it was very well detailed and put together but then like yeah, he does Fever know the like, shoe industry. He did that Jungle ad with... Uh, like he was just doing a fantasy of like, I wonder what it would be like if my white co-worker wanted to have sex with me. I bet she's racist, though. It's, just, <laughs> it's like, it's a, like the imagination kind of has blind spots. He has a lot right. of... I, I, maybe that screenplay he wasn't supposed to produce. He just, supposed, he just kept it for himself. Mm-hmm. And like this, he kind of <laughs> keeps typing and doesn't know where it goes. And so he has them get into melodrama and and crime and they it it's yeah, not so, the direction I thought it would go in. And the way that the, a lot of the stuff is portrayed is like you're kinda of watching it like, yeah, Spike, we get it. And it's just because it isn't done with like any kind of subtlety or yeah, nuance. Saying that he, uh, many I don't know how many I can say an actual number, but many of the movies don't finish strong and don't <laughs> stay on topic. This would be one of them. This is, you know, this was probably the the magnolia of that, like the epic, like I don't know what what ha- like usually it's the wake up thing is like a couple minutes at the end, mm-hmm. the jungle fever thing is the final like ten seconds, like what did you do to your movie? Like you had it, you were home free. Like, that was a really good. Wait a minute, 
It was due tomorrow. I didn't know. It was like just <laughs> random ideas. The, like you made, you did it your own. Like you didn't. No. Like oh my goodness. I highly recommend Jungle Fever, and I don't even recommend pressing stop ten seconds before it happens. I'm like, you just gotta, you gotta experience it. It's the Spike Lee experience. Yeah, you gotta see how he just like absolutely shits his pants on the dismount. It's, it's so, <laughs> you were saying yeah. it's pretty heavy. By the end, it's so it's it's so heavy he drops it. <laughs> He's just like, oops, like, sorry, oh. I dropped it all over the floor. <laughs> well, I'm done. Spilled his chili. Like I have, <laughs> I have this thing. There's some heavy-handed moments. Oh, it's too heavy. Oh shit! The thing is, is that I but will not every movie, but when it happens, you know it. And you're like, but this oh, is the man. thing. Yeah. Because Sandman kind of did that, but I don't know if that ending was heavy. I think he was just trying to like give me an Oscar, and they did. <laughs> and you know, like Tim mentioned that you know a lot of it is like, yeah, we get it, but. As long as the movie is funny, like, I accept it. It's just that when he moves away from humor in this movie, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Well, it's, it is, that's the thing where it's tough, to, it's tough to find, like, which side you want to fall on with the um, with the actual bamboozled show, like, in in the movie. Because it's like, if this is good, and if it's entertaining, and if it's, like thought-provoking, you can kind of get away with a lot, and it seems like, like it, maybe it, that's what happened with the be, show. It's like the racism should be funnier. Right. And I know they're doing actual things that way. Those are jokes that exist, and they're doing actual routines from other performers yeah. and kind of kind of humor. If they're laughing over like, it should be funnier. Like, Dave's well, racism was funny. This is another thing that came to my mind when I was watching, and is what makes the movie still kind of hit and be uncomfortable like 20 years later it's the um you know going back to the scene where they have that um outside consultant saying like okay this is this is how you're gonna sell I this show when people yeah. are offended it really a lot of the points that she says like i have heard or even said myself about <laughs> offensive material that I've discussed online or like on the show or whatever. Yeah. Like, like you can justify it however you want. She lays out a half a dozen different ways you can do that. Yeah. And it kind of comes, it kind of brings to mind like, um, you know, uh, a movie that we talked about uh, many episodes ago, uh, farewell uncle Tom, which certainly has a lot of uncomfortable mm -hmm. material in mm -hmm. it. Um, like listening to come town, where, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, it's offensive, but it's not like they really mean it. You know, it's satire. Or, or 1980s Eddie Murphy stand-up that still plays on Showtime at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so they come back with that AIDS on their lips, right? <sighs> now, Delirious, they, they took it off Netflix. It doesn't play during the day anymore. It plays late at night, though. Mm. Uh, but Raw, in the middle of the day, be like, Right, and that's they they kind of like you're playing this at three p.m. <laughs> and and they kind of like hit on that too when um uh uh when he's giving that interview that, that radio interview um yeah. where they're talking about uh what is it like is is it uh, are you calling it like offensive or is it or is it sacrilegious or is it just art and mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's kind of him spinning the show but. 
and I don't know. I mean, there is kind of a there's there's some validity to that. Like you aren't going to like all art and some stuff that you might be offended by other people gravitate towards for, you know, reasons that you may or may not agree with. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I really feel like it could go either way because but in bamboozled like don't forget that um that pierre created the show like as a troll in bad faith yeah yeah exactly he wanted to get fired but you know uh death of the author like as right. it kind of gets out there, it's like, could you possibly spin this as like, oh yeah, this is this is satire, and it really, you know, it did actually make me wonder about a lot of stuff that I have defended or like been like, oh come on, like you guys, like there's obviously a message here and blah blah. It's like, hey, you know, and I'll and frankly, I'll say it like. I'm just, you know, I'm just a dumb bitch with podcasts. Like, I'm wrong all the time. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm there to remind you of that. American Beauty went back into regular rotation on the movie. <laughs> and, but then, <laughs> I mean, like, it isn't even, like, it is, I think it is noble that you're acknowledging that there is that gray area. Um, neither black nor white. I'm one of white. white people. Yeah, I've you are. Well, you're, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um... And Sean, that's please, of, Sam, cool. Please, Sam, cool. Please. Uh, uh, yes. So the, <laughs> yeah, I gotta send you some more, uh, some more Cartier God first. I mean, please that's that, that's a pretty good endorsement. Endorsement, pretty good, I guess. Um, yes. But <laughs> and, but yeah, like the movie doesn't, a, apart from uh, sort of cozying up to being like media mogul social climbers, um, the movie doesn't really present you know one side or the other. Because, Jen, in particular, you talk about, you know, that moment of, of self-doubt where you're like, oh, am I, like, part of the problem, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see that the the movie will also, like, take issue with the people who are raising a stink about it. Like, I mean, there may be I was valid art that I they've got Al Sharpton and Johnny Cochran out protesting. They kind of don't delve into the protest at all. They're going to be protests. Mm-hmm. They warn about the protest. They have a folks who protest. And then it's just... A montage. The one, yeah. Of Al Sharptonisms. Yeah, but, but I mean, even is? then, they, they're like... And they just dismiss it. You know so, what? It, yeah, because it's that... Outside. Because it's that, like, Hollywood liberalism kind of thing where it's like, oh, like, you know, look at these people bitching, even though, like... What's important is, did you sleep with Dela? I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's it really important here? But they like hmm. they describe Al Sharpton and Johnny Crockett, who like they aren't like I don't know they're they're charlatans of their own brand, and you know they describe them in the movie they're like opportunists, they love to be on television. So the people who have a problem and with I'm something, sure nobody in 2000 thought that rabble rouser with the uh, the perm would be on MSNBC all day. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm like they, a mainstream newsman. Yeah. So they've kind of found their angle into you know to feed at this trough. In the Josh same way Clark that is, yeah. So you kind you kind of got to wonder like what the motivations are of people on either side of this. I thought it was pretty. It, it's pretty telling that Johnny Cochran still appeared in it, and they talked about the OJ verdict at length. Right. The people did talk about how they felt about the OJ verdict, and they just laid it out there. And yeah, it's pretty much I'm pretty I mean, sure he was fine getting paid. What I did. Yeah. Did it. I mean, that really was like a great 
psychic wound for America. <laughs> like, I remember that. Yeah. And maybe it's kind of passing into history a little bit, but I don't know. Well, now he's like posting videos from bars congratulating the 49ers. <laughs> it's very now. It's um and you and know I don't follow him for jokes. That's the thing. I'm I was like, I was I exactly see what OJ's doing. Yeah, because um I know that I you know on Twitter I don't normally like to follow police, but the amount of mutuals I have who are like irony following OJ Simpson is like um all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but lot. hey, maybe it's um. But uh, hey, maybe the maybe the 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 detective from who uh, rescued the mazes monsters kid, maybe he's right. And uh, OJ's son actually did it. Oh my God. Oh yeah. All I know is they never stopped playing naked gun on television. So he was never canceled. No harm. Why would you take that from, why would you take that away from Leslie Nielsen? Never. All three of them still play regularly. Well, the third one's not that great, but they still play it. There you go. OJ. (sighs) But we're just, dis- uh, you know, I can't believe that we're talking in this denigrating way about a successful black man. Right. Yeah. Why is it always, you know, successful? Uh, every successful black show gets criticized, you know? We're talking about. Yeah, I'm just annoyed gun. that I, I have to watch the Gang Makes Lethal Weapon 5 episode of Always Sunny on like a, a daily motion site because I can't get it on the streaming channel. Speaking uh-huh. of blackface, it's still kind of controversial. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That wasn't that yeah. long ago. And they just did a new episode about it, a follow up. Oh, yeah. And also, you can't see the uh, D&D fun. episode of Community. Mm hmm. Ah. Uh, uh, oh. Like, see? Season three, episode eight. Season three, episode ten. Wait a minute. We it's uh, like no track five. Yeah, no, <laughs> no track, track five. five. What the hell? Where's season three, episode whatever it is? Right. And like fear like, of fours. And I think exactly. here's kind of how we can wrap it up. Like, and again, like I might be wrong, but um, as uncomfortable as a lot of the material in this movie is, like. The, you know, for example, all that really malignant uh, memorabilia of the, you know, the, the I won't say it, the, the bank that, uh, that Sloan oh, yeah. gifts to Pierre, for example, but all that, like, all those really awful products, which are just grotesque characters of, of black people. Just merchandise. I mean, it... It's and all bad. through the credits and, too, and yeah, and, and it re- it definitely was created to reinforce that this if this is the image of someone who's a servant who's a piece of property who's just an object. It was a and whole yeah, industry, yeah, even more. Yeah, and they'll it's, hold it, your it's, money because they don't know how to count it. They'll just put it in their mouth. <laughs> OT. Yeah, it's it's bad stuff. It feels bad to look at it. It still it still hits you when you see it, just like that. Ugh. And I feel that it is still a good idea to look at that stuff like head on. It should be. The caveat, I would say. Yeah. With the caveat that it needs to be contextualized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it should be studied mm-hmm. and taught in a meaningful, like an intelligent way mm-hmm. and presented yeah. and not ignored. But that was the that's the point of the movie is that it should not be presented as entertainment, but it should be known as historical fact that this was a thing that 
continued. Yeah. And, and really, and to be aware of America's history, is that too much of an ask? So do you want to know what happened? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I find that I mean, just fascinating. Kind of learn from their past awful mistakes and make sure they don't happen again, or try to. It has never been addressed. Teach about it, put up monuments and museums, and what do you think? There, there's a couple in America. There's the rainbow. I don't know if that counts. It's kind of funny how, like, um, you know, the line is like, oh, you know, liberals are just crybaby snowflakes, and they just want to cancel everything, and then it's like, okay, well. You know, we're going to cut out whole swathes of our history that are like actually very relevant to today because it makes us feel bad to talk about it. Right, yeah. So I will say that. um, Did anyone figure out why Drake did blackface? I don't know the the story behind that. I know there's a picture. I remember the photo. I don't know what his justification is. I don't know. He was a Nickelodeon actor, so It's, it's a step away. From being <laughs> man, it's it's green slime face. It's yeah, I don't know. Why, I don't know why he did it, but he was it was he was young then. It kind of um, yeah. I I don't even want to touch the subject of Drake. Like, <laughs> I just <laughs> is he still texting Millie Bobby Brown? I have no idea. Probably. Ugh. Um, with a via the tattoo he has of her. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, who was the person that, you know, tweeted that it's like when you, you know, America's so racist that, you know, when you point out racism in America, people interpret that as an attack on America. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's that, what you see that, a lot of in this. Nails it on the head right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, if you're speaking of great psychic wounds to the country, that's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty big one. And, um, you know, the use of, I mean... It isn't just Birth of a Nation. There's, like, so much footage in this movie. But, like, the Birth of a Nation footage is, like, particularly apt. Maybe just because that movie was so popular and influential. And it's if you look at it, like, if you've actually seen any of Birth of a Nation, like, a lot of it is like, okay. The filmmaking techniques that were used were like, what is the, what are you doing? Yes. I've done this before. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's like you look at it and you're like, wow, like this is this is good filmmaking. Like I understand why DM Griffith play. Yeah. so popular. And then you see the post reconstruction scenes or you see the guy all blacked up chasing Dorothy Gish or whatever, and you're like Mise en scène in moving pictures. <laughs> oh my oh, god. Me. Like Well, maybe that is kind of the problem is that you know, you have uh Mise en scène, you know, you have great art and you also have a like heaping helping of just casual racism where it's like you, you can't disentangle the two to the point where it's like, I don't know which of these to throw out. I don't want to throw out the thing that I like, but that doesn't mean keeping the thing that is like actively harmful to, you know, large swaths of the population and the national psyche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and it's do? like, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm not like, like, I'm not a censorship kind of person. Like it, like I don't understand why people get angry when uh, about like content warnings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, well, they didn't cut anything out of the movie. Like it's still complete, and they're still like, hey, we know this. This kind of sucks. It's bad. Like, be careful. Yeah. So we're talking I, about bamboozled that they should have cut stuff out of the movie because I got. <laughs> I got a list. Well, that's and that's just, the interesting just thing. Twenty or thirty minutes. 
Because another thing about Bamboozled is the fact that it's two hours and ten minutes. And when you guys both mentioned, um, you know, oh, did Spike Lee warn the audience at uh, the Mantan show, like, you're going to see some offensive shit, or did he just, like, let it play out so he could get genuine reactions? It did make me wonder, like, hey, like what was left on the cutting room floor because they were running like if they were running up to 15 cameras at a time like what how much footage do you think they got and it's like god this movie could have been even longer i hope you did not prepare those audiences at all although i mean looking at the poster i think the poster pretty well prepares you for what's in store yeah i mean maybe the very first taping yeah Yeah. the pilot taping the other ones I, i think that was yeah that's all well, like before, actors, yeah. Before we wrap up, I do have a question for you guys. So when I... I am against I, racism. Why do you keep asking me that, Jen? Do I do? I do my do I, my I am against racism shirt is... Uh, never mind. I can't, right. I can't do the Twitter reference because I'm stupid. Um, Fine. No, I don't do white face anymore. <laughs> that's what you're going to it's just do it's just dead presidents kind of shit. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um it's culturally when I, relevant. When I cut together the podcast, of course, like I always choose instead of just putting up the logo photo for the show, I like to choose something which is relevant to the movie. And I'm like, okay, well what image am I going to choose to represent bamboozled? Like Am I being problematic if I were to use, say, the poster art for this movie? <laughs> like, can I do it? I, I literally don't you know. Le- you let the art stand on its own merits. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, and that's kind of well, what the movie's about in a way. Yeah, and um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, on our website, you know, we can put up whatever we want because, you know, it's your hosting. But, like, are we? will we get pulled off, like, Spotify or Google Podcasts if we put up like this little pickaninny with watermelon uh we'd have to be noticed first before anyone... maybe that's why they couldn't market that little brother movie because there was a little guy with gloves and smiling and blackface in the corner it was just a drawing i mean <laughs> it wasn't the actual rappers weren't doing it it was just a drawing in the people corner. really uptight about this stuff for some reason <laughs> you're out of there man <laughs> you're out of there um if you want to have the most like racist caricature as the cover, you should just put <laughs> Michael Rappaport's picture. Oh, the, the people report that. <laughs> they will mass Rappaport that. Like, oh, I'm gonna man. put. You know what? I'll just put a picture of that real ugly cat. One sixteen black. <laughs> yeah. Put um, put the the ones where Man Ray is like you know all like up in the the camera with like you know smiling and everything with doing the jazz hands. And I'll just be like, hey, this is a black man in black. You can even do just do the spoken word uh, man ray where he comes out in his regular clothes. Do do a still of uh, Jada doing that thinking face that we remember from Nutty Professor. (laughs) (laughs) I always say when in doubt, go with Paul Mooney. Oh, yeah. 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 And people love him. Paul Mooney. Or you could just do the 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 clip of Mal. Malcolm X that's in there that reminds you what movie you're seeing. <laughs> oh yeah. I I do With love the audacity. Movie in this. <laughs> I do love the audacity of Spike Lee quoting himself. 
that it wouldn't be a Spike Lee movie otherwise. Yeah, that's true. And but you know, like what? Um, because for so long, like, I mean, like real talk, like before, like um, mainstream culture fragmented so much. It's like what representation did we have for black artists and like mainstream culture? It's like black filmmakers, uh, Spike Lee, and you know, maybe <laughs> John Singleton. John Singleton. Think of another one. Um. East I mean, did people, did people know who the Hughes East Brothers Spy. was? I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just corpsing because I can't think of one. Following, but it's Menace Society is still a bit huge. I thought That's, it was Menace Eleven Society. No, it is not. Is oh. there is a, it opens at a Seven Eleven of sorts. Okay. Um, <laughs> society. I don't know if the Hughes Brothers, but there isn't really one. It's just those markers. Like the markers are. The people that learned about black people from Eddie Murphy stand up. The people that learned about black people from Chris Rock stand up. Hello. The people that learned about black people from Dave Chappelle stand up. <laughs> <laughs> you could just go from like Probably comedy show to comedy show. Yeah. It's living colors in there somewhere. I don't know. It would now be blackish. Or yeah. would now be Atlanta. Ugh, those are our Let's, choices. Hey, Jen, let's get Keith Knight on the show. We'll get Hurry, the- someone ask again. <laughs> maybe the eric andre show maybe yeah mm. i don't know at that point it's all fragmented yeah like the the, the culture yeah. is shattered yeah i don't know if there's any one thing that even rap music yeah you listen well, to new Ross? no <laughs> did you listen to new jay-z no did you listen <laughs> but this well, group listen think... to that this group is j cole no <laughs> That's I why think, I don't listen to rap music. The only reason. Too fragmented. I think, I think the episode has fragmented as much as the culture and has become as diffuse as dun, dun, the dun, movie dun, dun, dun. Bamboozled. Wow, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's meta. But, we can't end the show either. Damn you, Spike! No! <laughs> why do you do this? <laughs> well, what ultimately, what do we think of Bamboozled? I personally think it is still worth a watch, and it did make me laugh Really fucking hard a few times. I don't know if that makes me like that white crew member on the Chappelle show, but like, I think that it is if what you're it is. thinking about it, probably not. Yeah, so you're not just it's laughing at the crackhead, flawed, right? But well, it's it's an excellent premise that's excellently executed to a point. Yes, about and then the flaws just kind of collapse in on themselves and become one big flaw. <laughs> a sort of a mega flaw. It's in your net, and it's if you watch this movie. When you watch this movie, you're gonna watch it, and you're gonna go, "This is really good." I don't know what they were talking about. And then at a certain point, you're gonna realize twenty minutes have gone by, and your eyes have glazed over. <laughs> that that Amen. tracks with my experience. Yeah, you're like, how did how did we get here? Like, what happened like, to that good movie I was watching? Oh, this is really good. Well, this is, what is it? Huh? It just kind of snuck out the back, and you didn't even notice. And it's even the same characters doing the same things. And yeah. you're like, this isn't working anymore. And it's you're not uncomfortable. You're just... I don't want to say yeah, Well, yeah. You're... <laughs> I don't know if you're descent. You're not numb. It's kind of like, yeah. okay, where, where where is this going? Well, I think no. the, the takeaway, what everyone else would say to Spike Lee... You should stick to comedy. You know what? Damn. Like, <laughs> or 
inside man. Sean made a really good point because like when the movie is comedic, like you're you are thinking. Like you're like why am I you're like, wow, like I'm so uncomfortable and like should I be laughing at this and what does this mean about like our current culture and blah blah blah. And then when it goes into soap territory, it's like what he's good at mocking contemporary because he knows about that life and what they put in commercials to market because he made Nike commercials. He films music videos. He knows about that whole world and Yeah, the one like, with Rob We Leifel. want the young people to think this is Oh yeah. Oh I that shit. Yeah. <laughs> well um, um and let so me he leave knows you about all... that world, but if does he know about a world where somebody? Well, he might it's actually know about a man, world where know. he might actually know about a world where a young, enterprising female assistant has a a slip up and things go too far. With I don't know, I'm I, I have no basis in fact here, but not Spike. Maybe that's the only kind of relationship he knows is a melodrama, like, and then they are in a relationship and they have an argument. That's what happens in relationships, right? Let me leave you all with this. Um, Spike Lee has uh, made a short film shilling NFTs. So, bam! At least it's short. (laughs) 